Really delighted to have back with us Jim McKelvey, co-founder of Square, also the author of a really great book called The Innovation Stack, Building an Unbeatable Business, One Crazy Idea at a Time. He visited with us about that book earlier this year or what feels like about a 100 years ago, uh, Jim, because the world was a very different place. You were in our studio. I was in our studio. Um, there are more than two, one person in the studio? That's amazing. <laughs> exactly. Yes, we, we could actually see each other, and there were no masks. And there were no masks. Exactly. We were just sitting there having a nice conversation, uh, and I really enjoyed it then. So happy to have you back with me and uh, Scarlett joining us as well. So tell us what you've been up to, because you think about this as an innovator, as an entrepreneur, this crisis, these multiple crises uh, that we're facing. Tell us first about the work you're doing with Washington University. It's your alma mater, and you have a family connection to the school even beyond going there, right? Well, yes. My father uh, worked there for 27 years as a dean and then taught as a professor there. So I grew up as a kid of WashU, and the engineering school is now named in his honor. So it's the McKelvey Whoa. School of, uh, of Engineering. And WashU has one of the best medical schools in the world, and uh, they have been doing some leading-edge uh, virus research. So they reached out to alumni um, to fund some early research. This was before the government could get their checkbook out. They wanted to get an early jump on it. And so a, a bunch of us uh, gave money to uh, the medical school, and they've been doing uh, – they've got two very promising vaccine candidates. Uh, they've been uh, in animal trials, uh, extremely successful. And then they have – almost more exciting, they have a very accurate saliva-based test, and they can do about 5,000 uh, tests a day. And we bought some, some more machines. It looks like there'll be 10 or 15 or more thousand per day. So, okay, a saliva test rather than a blood test. That's, that sounds incredible. How close is that to something becoming a reality? Uh, so the saliva test works right now. So they have uh, a, the great thing about having a medical school tied to a hospital is you've got a lot of sick people that you can test that you know have the virus and a lot of healthy people that don't. So they've, uh, they've run the test. The tests are working very well. And they're now scaling up testing so that WashU's uh, campus can open in the fall and they can also uh, uh, make the city of St. Louis uh, much safer. And Jim, I mean, this is an area that you have, you've obviously taken a deep interest in. I will say from the outside, not knowing it as intimately than you do, it does feel like the pace of innovation and the pace of collaboration around this pandemic are something we've never seen before. Fair? Absolutely. Uh, so the medical community particularly is uh, very well tied together. They're working collaboratively. It's wonderful to watch, although I'm not in that business. I just sure. sort of stand on the sides and hand them money. Listen, we need it. That, that's a, that is a very valuable piece of this equation, Jim. Yeah, me. just hand them the money. And so what have you seen, you know, from a business person's perspective, from an entrepreneur's perspective, what have you seen that's impressed you? Well, I mean, uh, the first thing we've seen is, is a lot of terrible suffering. Uh, small businesses closing, people going out of business, uh, a, a lot of suffering. But unfortunately, that environment uh, creates a lot of chaos. And chaos is actually great for entrepreneurship. If you're doing something new, something that the world has never seen before, uh, you almost have an advantage if the rest of the world is a little bit on their heels. And boy, we're all on our heels now. So innovation and new ideas are coming faster because when everything's working well, people tend to do what they've always done. But when things are disrupted, then people are looking for new solutions and they're more open-minded. 
are companies more open-minded as well when, when people come up to them and say, hey, I've got this crazy idea. You'll never believe it. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, Square started in the middle of the last recession, and we were amazed at the number of companies uh, that would talk to us who we thought would just be too big to, to care. But Visa and MasterCard and American Express and all the banks uh, would meet with a startup. But, but that was back in 2009 when everyone was suffering. For those who were entrepreneurs and have made their companies into big establishment companies, a couple of high-profile CEOs are going to be on Capitol Hill tomorrow, uh, among them Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook. And, of course, there's a lot of um, bipartisan concern over the CEOs and the, the role that big technology plays in our lives right now, whether they have too much runway. And I wanted to get your thought on what you think could come out of this that's productive uh, for folks who worry that the big tech companies have too much power? There's going to be a lot of anger expressed because uh, that's, if you look at what's going over the airwaves, uh, a lot of it's angry. And uh, the, the, the pipes, I don't know if the pipes are the problem, but people that run the pipes are certainly being accused of, uh, you know, not managing the pipes well. So I think you're going to see a lot of congressmen vent. And so, Jim, talk to us. I mean, you are in a unique position because you obviously are part of the broader Silicon Valley uh, community, but you are not of it and you are not there now. And, and one of the perspectives that you've always been very generous in giving us is exactly that perspective of sort of understanding uh, it in a very, as I say, holistic way. As you think about what may have changed in our relationship with technology with this pandemic and also, you know, given some of the social unrest that you've seen, what have you seen change when it comes to that? Yeah, so definitely. I mean, I, I visit Silicon Valley. I live in St. Louis. Right. Um, and my feeling is that uh, Silicon Valley very often uh, thinks of us as flyover country and ignores the rest of the world. They ignore uh, a lot of things that are happening on the ground. And look, you know, not not willfully, it's just that things are different out in uh, these high-tech growth bubbles. But if you look at Midwest and, and, and the South and the North, um, people are suffering, and a lot of the people on the coast don't realize how badly. A lot of the people don't realize how badly, but a lot of their customers are inside the country and not just in Silicon Valley, not just on the coast. Um, which CEOs or which kinds of companies are seemingly to are seemingly getting it, the message now, are, are starting to understand a little bit more about how out of touch they might be? Well, I mean, it's funny because that was exactly the subject of my book, uh, which is that these companies that try to serve the unserved, uh, which is what Square did, it's what Southwest Airlines did, um, they end up becoming the biggest in the world hmm. in their respective categories. And so I really think it behooves tech CEOs and all CEOs to look at the people not at the top of the market, but at the bottom, and not even just at the bottom, but at the area where the market ends. In other words, who would like to fly in an airplane who can't afford to fly in an airplane? Who would like to be in a bank that can't afford or can't have a bank account right now? Those are the people that are going to be the base for the next great companies. And so what do you see along those lines, Jim? It's such an interesting point, and I hadn't, I mean, I read your book when it came out, and I hadn't thought about it in exactly that way, or I hadn't thought about it in the context, especially of this yawning um, and, and seemingly widening, I should say, uh, inequality gap that we're seeing in this country. Where can entrepreneurs step in to start to solve some of this? 
Well, the entrepreneurs are, uh, by my definition, people who do new things. So they're different from business people. Business people copy what works. Entrepreneurs build new things. And when you're building something new, you don't have a guarantee that it's going to work. But if you build for people that don't have anything, that aren't part of the market right now, if you are successful, the rewards are absolutely astronomical. And I think that's the best use of creative talent. Okay, you can build new things and have great ideas, but then you need someone to kind of take it to market and, and who's familiar with that process. How do you do that as an entrepreneur without selling out completely and losing, losing your integrity in that process? So the companies that I studied for the innovation stack all had this weird phenomenon, which is they built for these underserved people, and the people just showed up in droves. One of the great examples was Ikea. When uh, Comprad opened his first store, he had lines out the building. He, it, it was so crowded in his store, he was afraid the floors were going to collapse. Um, we had the same phenomenon at Square. When we built what people wanted, they just showed up. We spent zero money on advertising for our first two years. And the same thing happened to Bank of America, which became the biggest bank in the world after its founding. And uh, people find you. If you have something valuable, they find you. I mean, look, we're communicating with millions of people right now over Bloomberg Radio. Um, The word gets out. Yeah. So is it more likely in your estimation that some of those great ideas are going to come increasingly outside of the traditional power centers like Silicon Valley and New York, given what we're seeing in this current iteration of ourselves where we are remote, where we are increasingly, I mean, I'm talking to you from my daughter's bedroom in the suburbs, uh, not from the studio where you and I met. I mean, we are distributed in a way that we haven't been uh, really at all in in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. The the ideas are going to come from everywhere. And there are going to be some great ideas in the coast, or there are going to be some great ideas in the Midwest. I mean, I had this idea for Square when I was sitting in my studio in St. Louis, Missouri. Now, we built the company in San Francisco because that's where the resources were. But more and more these days, the resources are movable. And what we've proven during this pandemic is that great people can work anywhere. So we're not as clubbish about our, you know, allegiance to New York or San Francisco or some of the major tech centers, because we've seen, and actually we've been forced to see, that uh, talent can be anywhere and be productive. One thing about great ideas, you can solve specific problems, but sometimes they solve problems that people aren't even aware are problems. Can you give me an example of of something like that, where a, a product or a service serves people and no one even knew that there was a need for this? Well, um, the greatest example I have was from Herb Kelleher. I interviewed him for the book, and uh, he told me about the early days of Southwest Airlines when the government did a study of airline travelers saying that only the rich people and business people wanted to fly on airlines. And this was before deregulation and when only rich and business people could fly on airlines. But the government did a study, and they concluded that normal people didn't want to travel. That was the conclusion. So you see these ideas all, all the time, which is that people in very important places – make make the this uh judgment that normal folks don't want what the rich folks have yeah. we absolutely do we want the same entertainment we want the same access we want the same health care we want it all and if you make it available people will show up all right always good to talk to you love your energy love your ideas jim mckelvey co-founder of square author of the innovation stack building an unbeatable business one crazy idea at a time more relevant, even more relevant than it was when it was published earlier this year. Look forward to keeping in touch with him. Also, should point out, doing some great work with his alma mater, Washington University's School of Medicine, around vaccine funding. 